As believers, we think of ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ, don't we? And we're right. We are followers of Jesus. He is the one that we need to lean on. He is the one that we need to depend on. But if we want to be honest with ourselves, we do not always follow God the way we should, do we? We do fall short sometimes, don't we? We know that we're participants of God, and we know that when we go out, we are to do His work day in and day out, and to trust Him and lean on Him and step out in faith and trust Him. But if we want to be honest with ourselves, sometimes we fall short in these areas. Sometimes we tend to go astray. And it's good to know that we always can come back to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's always good to know we are still in the family of God and we are part of who He is. And we do have a tendency to let life get in the way, don't we? We always sometimes find, well not always, but we find times in our life where we let life itself get in the way. We'll say to ourselves, well, i got to get this done. I have that over there to do. I have to go here. I have to go there. And once I'm done with that, then I'll go ahead and do this over here. But I have these couple of other tasks that I have to put my attention to right now. And this is a trap that most of us find ourselves getting into from time to time. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves and with God, we have to admit this and to confess it before God and ask Him to make us more aware of when we're being uh, involved in the world so much that we're not accomplishing the work that Christ has called us to do. Let us take a moment and go to Luke chapter 5 because this morning I would like to take some time and examine what following our Lord looks like. What is it like to follow Him? Because we do not always follow Jesus the way that we should follow Him. And it is important for us to remind ourselves that we are neglecting God's work when we're not following Him the way we should. We are neglecting His work when we put our will ahead of the will of the Father. And we are neglecting our relationship with Him also. And we are placing our will ahead of the will of our Father in Heaven. And when we find ourselves in this situation, we need to look at our hearts and examine them and ask Lord, the Lord to open our eyes to be paying more attention to what He wants us to do rather than what we want to get done. But when we pay attention to God and listen to Him, and when we put His will above our own will, it is amazing the things that God can work out in our lives, isn't it? It's amazing what God can do when we do the work that He has called us to do. And brothers and sisters, I'm not going to quote it right now, but I really encourage you to look at Ephesians 2, verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 10. This is one that's worth putting in your heart because God has given each one of us work to do. And that's what that verse talks about, the work that God has prepared for us. And after all, He has given His best for us. He has given His Son, Jesus Christ, who became the propitiation for our sins. He's the one who paid for our sins. He is the one who paid a debt that we could never pay. And because of Him, our sin debt has been wiped clean. We can be thankful to God in the work that He has done. 
Jesus came to this earth and did the will, the work and the will of the Father. He did the will of the Father. You remember when Jesus was at, uh, when Jesus was about ready to go to the cross, and he was praying to the Father, if there's any way that you could take this cup from me, take this burden that I'm about to have to face, take the cross away from me to where I do not have to bear the cross, I ask that you do it, Lord. Jesus' will as a human being at that time was to live. But what did he say after that? He said, but Lord, not my will, your will be done. I'm so thankful that Jesus followed the will of the Father because we have eternal life because of that. Brothers and sisters, how much can we accomplish if we always keep our eyes on the will of the Father? And we always step out in faith and trust Him that He's going to lead our path and lead us in paths of righteousness. See, Jesus doesn't just want us to participate in the work He is doing. That's not just what He wants us to do. He wants us to be confident in Him and be confident in His grace, confident in Him that He will direct our path and lead us into righteousness as we share His great love with the world. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to participate in His work, but He wants us to do it willingly, and He wants us to do it with confidence that His grace will guide us and lead us, and that He has our backs. And all we have to do is step out in faith and trust Him. And knowing how much God loves us, and knowing that Jesus loves us with an unconditional love, a love that gives us the choice to accept Him or to reject Him, See, because brothers and sisters, each one of us in life have a choice to either accept God or to reject God. And it is our choice. He loves mankind that much that He gives us the choice to either serve Him or to reject Him. And I thought today we'd take a look at three different ways people tend to follow Jesus. And each one of us can examine our own lives and see which pattern we fit. Which one of these ways do we follow Jesus? And if we fit the wrong way of following Him, let us prayerfully seek Him and ask Him to forgive us of our sins and to help us get back on the track to serving Him the way that we should serve Him, with confidence and trust and dependence on Him to accomplish His will and purpose in our life, not our will and purpose in our life. His will, not ours. So let us take a moment and go to Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 1, says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out to deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their net began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled the boat, both boats so full that they began to sink. 
they were so full, they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. So the first way that I'd like to talk about that we can follow Jesus, the first way is the right way. Remember the story that we just now read about Peter, Simon? And we learn through this story that he was out fishing all night. And he didn't catch anything. They toiled, they worked, they struggled, and they didn't catch anything. They probably cast their nets in a hundred different places out there and caught nothing. And they gave up and wrapped up things. In fact, when Jesus came, what were they doing? They were cleaning their nets, saying basically they're done for the day. It's a wash. Let's just call it a night and be done with it. And how many times in your life have you been doing something and you just seen failure after failure as you're doing it? And things just fall down and this happens or that happens and nothing is going your way. It's easy to say, well, I'm just going to give up, right? And sometimes we do just give up. You did not accomplish what you set out to achieve. Just like Simon did not accomplish what he set out to achieve. And it is discouraging when this happens to us, isn't it? It's very discouraging. I know myself, this week has been a little bit discouraging. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong with me starting into the real estate work uh, that I've been doing and getting involved with. Every technical thing that could go wrong has gone wrong. And you know, it's okay. God loves me. He cares for me. And I can always lean on Him and depend on Him. And He is allowing this situation to happen the way it's happening for a reason. I don't know what it is, but God does. And it can be discouraging and it can be frustrating, can it? And sometimes we even become disheartened about the matter. And I have known that I have personally thrown in the towel on thinking things that I have done, they're just not going to work out, and they've turned into failures, so I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm going to be done with that and just move on. And I figured the best way to uh, do this is to just cut my losses right now and move on. How many of us have felt that way in our life? Each one of us have. And we know that experience. And that's what Peter felt. And that's what I really want you to get, is how Peter felt. And how he was like, what's the use of trying this? Now, Jesus came onto the scene, didn't he? And he told Peter to put, the out, to put out to the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Now, just think of those things that you failed in. And think of the things that have happened in your life to where you're like, well, what's the use? I'm not going to try this anymore. I'm wasting my time. Wouldn't it have been easy for Peter there to say, Lord, I don't want to do this. I'm wasting my time. But he didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He said, okay, Lord, since you asked me to do this, I'm going to do it. Since you asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. He didn't question him. He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate with him. He did it. And look what happened. He caught more fish than their nets could handle. Their nets were getting torn. They filled up two boats to the point that these boats were sinking. Imagine. 
And then Peter said, Lord, basically I'm sinful. <laughs> you have to go. You can't be here right now. I don't even deserve you, is what he was telling Jesus. And you know what? He's right. He doesn't deserve Jesus. We do not deserve Jesus and what he did for us. But he did it anyhow because he loves us. And he wants us to fully cooperate with him. He wants us to act just like Peter did when he asks us to do something, to immediately not debate it, not have a conversation with him and argue with him like Job did. We learned last week how Job just continually argued with Jesus, didn't he? That's not the way he wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be immediately obedient. And look what happened when Peter was immediately obedient to Jesus. He filled those two boats. You see, Peter was an experienced fisherman who worked this trade all of his life. And he could have wondered, what could Jesus possibly know about fishing? He's a teacher. He teaches the scriptures. He doesn't know anything about fishing. But he didn't do that. He didn't say, he doesn't realize he's wasting our time. He didn't do that. He is like, okay, Lord, you said it, we're going to do it. And we all can learn something from this lesson right here. That we do not have to be afraid. And that we can always depend on him and trust him. And I loved Jesus' response at the end on, in verse 10. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. That's what Jesus is telling each one of us in this congregation today. From now on, you will catch men. Every one of us have an assignment. Every one of us have a job that we work in. Our job and where we're at in life, even in our retirement, it doesn't matter if we're in a hospital. Our job is to share our love for God with anyone who will hear us. And God will help us catch men. The Spirit will move through us as we are speaking and sharing our faith, as we are walking and living Christ-like life. And as we are being obedient, people are observing us being obedient. You see, that changes lives. That's what God has called us to do. And because they trusted Jesus of the smaller things, He gave them the responsibility of greater things. They trusted Him Peter trusted him and lowered his net. What did Jesus do? He gave him and entrusted him with the church. He entrusted him. In fact, he was the first one who preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter, a fisher of men. Let us take a moment now and go to Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And he passed by, and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed Jesus. He arose and followed Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how much you know about the time of Jesus, but tax collectors were not very liked people. They were not people who were looked on with favor in the, the eyes of men. 
And I'd venture to say even today tax collectors are not very popular people, are they? They're not someone that most people want to associate with. You want to stay as far away from a tax man as you possibly can, don't you? But tax men in that day tended to have a habit of extorting people out of their money and to taking from them more than they should. And they were considered some of the lowest of low people in society. But Jesus didn't concern himself with Levi's profession, did he? He was not concerned with what Levi was doing. He wanted Levi to follow him, so he told Levi, follow me. Did he have a conversation with Jesus? You see anywhere here where he had a conversation with Jesus? He got up and he followed Jesus. And I'm sure that Levi has heard of Jesus before this point. He's seen the scene. Maybe he was even somewhere where he's heard Jesus speak. And maybe he wanted to know more about Jesus. And then Jesus approached him and said, follow me. He didn't say, well, let me finish up my day's work and then I'll come and follow you. Or let me take care of business here and let me close up my money box and then I'll follow you. He left. He went and followed him immediately. See, Jesus wants us to have an immediate response to him when he's calling us into action. He wants us to step out in faith and trust him and depend on what he wants to accomplish in our life and knowing that he is not going to harm us. See, these men, including Levi and Peter, they knew that the crowds of people were following this man, Jesus. And they may have even heard some of his teaching, his words of wisdom. What they heard did not necessarily translate into faith. It only when Jesus spoke to them, they, it translated into faith because they stepped out in faith and trust with him right then and there. And these men were obedient the way God wants us to be obedient. They were obedient without objection. They did not hesitate to follow God. They did it immediately and with trust. And that's what God is looking from each one of us. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to trust Him and to know that He already has this plan laid out. And if any of you took the time just now and looked at Ephesians 2.10, you would see that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance for you to do. He already has these plans laid out. He already knows what the outcome is going to be. We may not know what the outcome is going to be, but He does. And all we have to do is trust Him and follow Him and lean on Him. Let us take a moment and go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. So now that we have a picture of the correct way to follow Jesus, let's look at how we would follow Him the wrong way, which is a number two way I'd like to discuss with you today. The wrong way to follow Jesus. You see, not everyone follows Jesus willingly. And we've pretty much all been and we've all pretty much been Christians long enough to know that there are many people who choose not to follow Jesus or they follow him for the wrong reasons. They have personal motivation that is outside of the motivation to serve God. Maybe they want to serve themselves in some way because we've heard where uh, different men. Remember, I remember one man uh, came to Peter and said, hey, give me that gift of healing. I will pay you so I can have that gift of healing. He wanted that gift for one reason, to make profit. 
That's why he was interested in knowing more about Jesus and knowing more about God was because he wanted a gift so he could profit from it. That's a wrong reason to want to be with God. So we do not, not everyone follows Jesus for the right reasons. So let us take a moment and look at Luke chapter 18 beginning with verse 22. And again, not everyone followed Jesus willingly. Luke tells a story of a rich man who asked Jesus what he may do to gain eternal life. And he explained to Jesus that he has followed all the rules, all the laws of Moses. He's always obeyed the commandments. He's always honored his parents and lives a good and clean life. And then what does Jesus say in Luke 18.22? When Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful because he was very rich. So you see, this man was interested in following Jesus, but he wanted to follow Jesus on his terms. Well, Lord, I'm willing to follow you, but why are you asking me to give up all of my earthly possessions to follow you? After all, I've worked all my life for these things, and you're asking me to do this? I told you I followed all the commandments. But see, he wanted to follow Jesus on his turn. And Jesus was able to see his heart, wasn't he? And Jesus saw in his heart that his Lord and his God was his money. And he wanted to expose that to that man, not so the man would not follow him, but to expose his weakness and to expose his sin so he could come into the light of Jesus Christ. See, there have been many rich men mentioned within the pages of the Bible, including men like Abraham and Job. And these men owned many material things, didn't they? They had many material possessions. And God didn't ask them to get rid of their material possessions to follow Him, did He? Why? Do I have to give up everything that I have to be a Christian and to be a believer? That wasn't the message that Jesus was teaching there. Jesus was exposing that man's weakness. He was exposing his sin, that his money was his God. Abraham's money was not his God. Job's money was not his God. That's why God didn't tell them, get rid of these things, then follow me. This wealthy man was asked to give up his possession because Jesus saw that he was not uh, going to be 100% committed to Christ. He's going to be more committed to his financial gain than he is going to be committed to God. And that's not what God wants. He wants all of us. He wants us to be completely committed to Him, completely committed to His work and His ways. And Jesus wanted him to leave him his sin in the rearview mirror and to follow Him. That's what Jesus wanted from Him. And then there's a couple other men that we can look at in Luke 9, verses 59 through 62. Luke 9, 59 to 62. But then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also 
he said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid farewell to them at my house. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, brothers and sisters, it's not bad to want to, uh, to mourn the loss of a family member. That's not what Jesus was saying. And it's not even clear in this story whether this man that the guy wanted to go bury was even dead yet. He may have still been alive. And see, Jesus wanted to expose to this man that his priority of his family was higher than his priority to serve God. That's what God was exposing to this man here, that you are placing your family at a higher uh, level than you're placing me, God, who created you, who created your family, who is taking care of you, who is taking care of your family. So they are more of a God to you than I am. When I am going to be your God and be your one and only God, then you come and follow me. Jesus doesn't want a piece of our soul. He wants all of our soul. That's what he wants from us. He wants all of us. It was like this man was saying to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but not today. I'm not going to follow you today, but I just want to have a booking just in case. It's not the way it is. We do not serve a just-in-case God. We serve Him all the time. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 53 and 54. Luke 11, 53 and 54. And as He said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail Him vehemently and to cross-examine Him about many things, lying in wait for Him and seeking to catch Him in something that He might say that they may accuse him. There's another way to follow Jesus the wrong way, isn't there? Right there. Is following Jesus the wrong way. What are they, why are they following Jesus? They're following him to catch him and to, uh, to lie in wait for him to make an error so they can point out the error, to see if he sins, to expose him as a liar, to be able to accuse him is what they wanted to do. See, they were following him for no other reason but to harass him and to find fault with him so they could discredit him. See, the Pharisees were good at that. That's what the Pharisees did Jesus' entire ministry was to try to get him to sin or to be exposed as a sinner. They wanted him destroyed and they, they, because his message was not in alignment with their message. He was telling them, come to me. I will, I will take your burdens from you. See, the Pharisees put burdens on people. Jesus wanted to take burdens from people. And they were worried that he was going to destroy their earthly positions as Jewish leaders. They felt threatened by Jesus' popularity and his promise to set the captives free. See, that's what Jesus is here for. He came to set the captives free. He set Diane, a captive, free today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So he challenged their position in society, and they didn't like it. You know, the Pharisees wanted people to change so they could join the ranks of the Pharisees. But Jesus wanted people to follow him so they could be changed. See the difference? The Pharisees wanted people to change to follow them. 
But Jesus wanted people to follow him so that they could be changed. Jesus isn't asking you to change before you come to him. He says, come to me first. Come to the cross. Accept me as your savior. Acknowledge that I am the only way for you to have salvation. Then I will change you. I will change you day by day for the rest of your life to be more in the likeness of who I am. Jesus Christ. We become more like God every day when we follow him. You see, there are improper ways to follow Jesus. And he is not oblivious to our motivations. He sees our motivations and why we do the things that we do. He sees our hearts. He knows our ways. And he knows why we make the choices that we make. We can hide behind a mask with our family members all day long. But there's one person you will never hide behind a mask to, and that is to God. You will never hide behind a mask with God because God sees you for who you are. He already knows. So we have seen right ways to follow Jesus and wrong ways to follow him. So let's look at better ways to follow him. Brothers and sisters, we know that people are not perfect. We will never be perfect. Even as believers, we still sin. We still fall short. And we still have to come to the cross and confess our sins. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. And we always can bring our, cross, our, our sins to him, bring them to the cross. We all have flaws. We all sinned. And Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. He came for those who are broken, people with bad reputations. He came for the brokenhearted. He came for the poor in spirit. He came to those who need healing for their souls. Those are the people Jesus came for. And one way we can follow better is to drop the baggage. Acknowledge that we have baggage and be willing to drop it and trust that Jesus is going to take it away from us. See, he said that his burden is light. His yoke is easy. He isn't asking us to carry burdens of sin any longer. He has freed us from that. The day we became a believer, He has freed us from our sin. So do not carry the burden of pain and anger along with you. Jesus has freed you from carrying that burden any longer. Live peaceably with people. That's what God wants from us. Be forgiving. Be willing to forgive those who have hurt you. Be willing to forgive those who have caused you grief and has caused you pain. Be willing to forgive them. It doesn't matter what their sin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's a family member. It doesn't matter whether it's a friend or an acquaintance. Forgive them. Because when you don't forgive them, you don't harm them. You carry that burden yourself. And when you forgive, you are free. And forgiveness will bring peace and freedom to your soul. So do not carry the burden of shame and guilt any longer. God doesn't want us to do that. We may have done something, or maybe the opposite. Maybe we didn't do something that we should have done. Does God want us to always remember and to constantly bring up the past? Well, Lord, I should have done this, and I just didn't. I feel so bad about it, and I just can't get on with life because I failed here. Or even with a loved one. Maybe you did something to harm a loved one and they've forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. They've forgiven you. Let it go. You can't change the past. 
How many times have you had a conversation with your spouse? Why do we keep bringing up the past? Why do we have to keep focusing on the past? We can't change the past. There's nothing you can do about it. Let it go. Hopefully you learn from it so you don't make the same mistakes again. But why dwell on it? You can't change it. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the way Jesus wants us to feel. He wants us to feel that we have no burden. He wants us to feel that there is a light yoke we're carrying. He doesn't want us to feel weighed down and wore out and exhausted because of things going on in life. He wants us to know we can find comfort in Him. We can find peace and rest in Him. We can find shelter in the arms of God. That's what God wants us to see. That's what God wants us to know about Him. So as we close today, I ask you, is there something that pulls you away from Jesus and following His lead? Is there anything that is distracting you from spending time in God's Word? Praying and worshiping on a regular basis. Is there things keeping you from that? Because if there are brothers and sisters, it's time to put those things aside in life. They do not have more value than our King. They do not have more value than our Lord. The things that are causing us to be distracted from our relationship with God, it's time to put those things aside in our life and say, I'm having no part of them anymore because I'm letting them be my God rather than letting Christ be my God. And we all have many things that compete for our time. Attention and love. And our Savior's words can put us back on track and lead us into right, the right direction, especially when we have strayed from His loving kindness. See, brothers and sisters, just because we stray from His loving kindness doesn't mean that God's ever strayed from us, because He hasn't. He will be at the door waiting for you to return to Him. He loves us. King Davis, David had a tremendous way of praying for God's guidance and to stay the course of serving God. He wrote in Psalm 5 and verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. See, the world puts many things in our path to distract us from God to distract us from serving Him, to keep us from sharing our faith, to cause us to have fear. Sometimes it is challenging to stay the course, to follow the straight path that leads to the Lord. But I encourage you, through the words spoken in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, and 3, verses 13 and 14, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off, are to put off all of these things, put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, 
put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do and forgive them. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The path that leads to Christ is filled with sinful ob obstacles that is placed in our way by the world. They're not placed in our way by God. They're placed in our way by the Lord to hinder us and to cause us trouble and to cause us to stumble and fall and to pull us away from the Lord and to slow us down in our godly work. But he, Jesus, still shows us the way regardless of how far off course we have gotten. So let us always work out our salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. And when we fall short, let us repent and come to the cross and confess our shortcomings to the Lord. For he loves each one of us with an everlasting love. There's not one person here that God doesn't love. There's not one person who has ever lived or ever will live that God doesn't love. God loves us all. He created us. He is our creator. He is waiting for every prodigal to return home, and he will rejoice as we come to him. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we are just so thankful, Lord, that we can come to you regardless of our condition, regardless of our trials, and regardless of our failures. You love us, Lord, and you have given your best, Jesus Christ, for us. And Father, we just ask that you would continually remind us the right way to serve you. And Father, that we would quickly put behind us the wrong ways to follow you. And Father, that we would be better served to serve you and to put the baggage of our life aside, Lord, and to always lean on you and depend on you and know that you will lead us and guide us, Lord, and you will lead us in your perfect and righteous ways. And Father, we just ask that you continue to work in and through each one of us this week. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.